Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Leon Offside podcast. We are back in business, and we hope that you are doing well as we come to hopefully the the other side of a a long and strange and pandemic-filled year. Uh, I'm your host, Ariana, and today I am joined by Sam. Hey, what's happening? And Nick. Hey, what's up? Just as an FYI to everyone, we are socially distancing. We are on three different continents right now. Yeah. Take this very seriously. Yeah, we're more than a meter away. (laughs) We've been doing social distancing since before it was cool. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm from Australia. What's social distancing? What's this about? (laughs) (laughs) They're forcing you to be two meters apart from each other, son. Ah, yeah. 100 yards. Yeah, yeah. All right, <laughs> fine. <laughs> uh, wasn't Australia done with the pandemic? Like, I don't know, 15 minutes into it or something? There's a pandemic? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. We're, we still got it. Must we still got nice. it. <laughs> we've got one. We've, we've only got like one. Um, we've got Melbourne that, and Victoria that keep getting COVID um, te- um, positive t- tests, even though their borders are closed. So I don't know how that keeps happening. But yeah, that's as much as I know. Uh, well, I'm glad to hear that you guys both are doing well and, and hope everyone listening is, is doing well, too. Um, it has been an unusual year and an unusual season for uh, both the Leon men's and women's team. So I think, you know, looking forward to, to talking about both of them uh, with you guys today. Yeah, sounds good. Very eventful, especially for the women's team. Yeah. Right? First times in how many years without trophies? Must be very, very strange for us. It is. It's it's so strange, you know. It's this was the first uh, time that the Leon women are not title holders in in fourteen years in D in D one and and you know five years in the Champions League. Uh, so it's a it's a big drop off, especially when you know you think like last season they picked up five trophies. You had the <laughs> ICC, you had Division One, you had, you know, the Coupe de France, the Champions League title, and then the the Trophée des Champions. Um, and so to go from five trophies to zero is like it's it's a blow to the ego. I mean, what do you, what do you do? They're gonna have like an empty space on the trophy shelf. Yeah, what are you gonna put on there? Like a little flower pot or something, or. <laughs> We'll have to do something because that trophy cabinet's going to look real weird without this one little spot there. <laughs> I feel the like constant the constant reminder of this season that little space that gathers dust. Right, exactly. I mean, like this is brutal for like the club as a whole, right? I mean, usually if a loss can count on one thing, it's like whatever the men do, at least the women will come through. Yeah, um, yeah. What's the deal? We were kind of hoping that the women would kind of st- like give us something nice to talk about, but. We go over there and it's like they've had the same season that we had, except obviously better, but yeah. No, it, it, I mean, it's strange. It, it's kind of interesting to think about like what some of the the reasons might be. I think, you know, I think there's a couple, you know, on, on the one hand, you know, certainly PSG has been, been investing more and getting stronger for some time. And so it was sort of like bound to happen eventually that, you know, just, eventually they would have to catch Leon one year, one time at least. Um, but then you, I, I think, you know, this year too, you sort of factor in, they came back for the like really busy August where they had the Champions League Final Four and the Coupe de France, and then it like ran right into this next season. So I think there was some exhaustion there. In the spring too, you had the huge COVID outbreak in the team with like 15 players, you know, testing positive at one point. Um, and then you have the, the really significant injuries to, to Ada Hegerberg and Gridge and Bach. And, you know, they were able to compensate for those for a little bit last spring and, you know, even into last Champions League in August. But uh, I think eventually it's sort of like the, the luck just, just ran out. Um, and in some sense, I think it highlights like just how impressive the accomplishment of, of winning the title 14 years in a row is. 
that it hasn't happened sooner. You know, there's never been a year where you've gotten hit by injuries or gotten hit by a bad call or just played, you know, a bad game at the wrong time. The consistency of doing it 14 years in a row is, is really impressive. And I guess it was bound to end sometime. So let me ask you a slightly different question. Um, if I had to wear my Mbappe hat, did PSG win the title or did Lyon lose it? PSG. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, uh, it's a good question, but, you know, PSG, I think, I think won the title. I think they have been consistent and good, like, all year. You know, I, I think there's sort of like a, a couple of signifiers. Um you know, in past years, when you'd get to the spring and Leon and PSG would be even on points or, or real close or something like that, and people would be like, oh, like, you know, the teams, they're so close. But in a lot of those years in the past, like, it really wasn't. If you looked at the scores of the games, PSG was getting, you know, one nothing or 2 nothing wins. They were just scraping by, getting help from penalties, that kind of thing, while Leon was, like, really kicking out the teeth of their opponents. Uh, and this year it wasn't like that at all. PSG was winning solidly. They, you know, far exceeded Lyon on goal differential up until like basically the last day when Lyon closed the gap a little bit. But, you know, PSG was solid pretty much start to finish. And But for, you know, I think a, a, a draw to Bordeaux and maybe the second game of the season, uh, <clears throat> you know, they showed, I think, all season that they were like very credible champions. I think Leon could have given them a better fight. I think Leon could have really punished them for that draw against Bordeaux. You know, if if Leon had had won the game head to head between the two teams a week ago, Leon would have been champions and, and not very deserving champions. Um, but you know, I think PSG won the title and and you know deserve full credit for that. Yeah, I had a look at the um the final scores and I was I was so it was crazy to see that. They played the whole season with only, I think, was it PSG that had a, only one draw, one loss, and I think Lyon had no draws and two losses. Is that right, or, or something uh, like that? PSG had one draw, no losses. Lyon oh, had one draw and one loss. Yeah, it's crazy to think that you can lose one game and not win a title in however many matches for the season. It's crazy. Yeah, the mar- the margin for error is is yeah. small, and you know it all it all sort of really comes down to the goal that Leon allowed to PSG in November, which was a you know a sloppy giveaway in midfield, probably a a, a pretty poor you know goalkeeping read, and then even still they would have kept it out if not for you know Kadisha Buchanan had like a very ill timed Pratt fall on the goal line and <laughs> clear the ball. Uh, herself so <laughs> you know it's like not the prettiest goal of all time and you know there's definitely some regrets to to have there so it, it was still there for for the taking for Leon but I think if you really do look at like the balance of the season you know PSG deserve it yeah Leon could have, could have won the title yeah exactly it was in their it was in their hands still which is I suppose one of the um the favorable parts of having a tight season is that when your direct rival is the team that's um, you're playing with only in the second last match of the season, a bit like Leon had um, in the men's team um, coming up to that race. Like it, it kind of like you could go that season where you said that Paris only drew one match. We drew one, lost one. Um, that Paris match was such a big match for us to catch up on them and, and for it to not to happen. That's that margin of error. That's just, It's so slight. And Leon in the past season so- sounds like they were able to manage these matches a lot better. But, yeah, it's it's disappointing. It's a strange game because I thought Leon were very non-committed in position. They were just happy to, to sit back. Um, so were PSG, but Leon needed to win. But I remember remarking... There were so many long calls, no real opportunities for, for 90 minutes. I don't think there were, there were any good chances right there against PSG. Yeah, week. it was very stale. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I You know, no one really tested Endler. And, and Endler's a great goalkeeper, you know. She she can make big saves, but she, she really didn't have to uh, uh, in that league game. It was, you know, a little different than in the Champions League where – 
you know, in the second leg, Leon had scored early, then gave up the two, but still could have advanced if they had scored. And there was the late chance, very late chance for Millard. And uh, Endler made a, an incredible fingertip save to, to send PSG through. Um, you know, the, the league game a week ago was, was not did not have that moment. There was, I don't think, really any moment where you really felt like Leon seemed likely to score. And, you know, as part of it, like a personnel challenge, right? Lissamer was was injured for that game. And so you had kind of a funky left side of the field where you had all of Basha, Karshawi, and Majri, which is like three players who've played left back but are sort of offensive-minded. Um, that's like not necessarily the best recipe for creating chances. So Leon are hopefully back next season uh, winning trophies and it seems like the team will be very, very different um, from, from this season. We've seen Vassar being sacked in favour of Bompastor and there are so many rumours about players leaving, players joining. Uh, what do you make of that, Ariana? Yeah, I, you know, I think it'll be fascinating to see how Leon comes out next season. I think, you know, going a full year without trophies is going to really kind of prick at these players' pride. And, and maybe this is what they needed to kind of shake off a little bit of complacency and, you know, hungry dogs run faster. And so, you know, maybe they really do come out with kind of fire uh, in the belly and 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 bring it. Uh, I think, too, you're right, like the, the personnel changes are fascinating you know you're gonna you're gonna have a new goalkeeper with Endler coming in and Buhati going on loan to the U.S. Uh, I think that's gonna be that's that's a big change it's you know Buhati's been there 10 years and and that's gonna be a, a, a different look and in in some ways I think you know an upgrade um, then you know if if Mbach comes back, that provides some insurance on the back line. I think Buchanan had a good but sort of uneven season filling in for her. Um, but we're also sort of seeing Renard a little bit in decline. And so you kind of do need that steady Mbach presence to, to balance that out. Um, in midfield, I think Marajan going on loan for the fall is a huge, huge challenge for Leon um you know I love I I love Marajan I think she's just like such a brilliant player but she had a a really poor season by her standards you know she did not look like the player we know that she can be it was like almost strange to see her sort of so far below her level and yet she still led the league in assists by like four you know, so like even an even a down year for her is still hugely productive in terms of creation of goals. And so it's going to be really interesting to see who is going to fill that creative void for Leon. Um, and then I think the biggest thing is like getting out of back and healthy and hungry. And I think if 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 Ada's back at the start of the season, I think it's possible she could just go on a tear. But, you know, it's it's hard to say what her condition is. You know, there hasn't been a lot of information and there's been a lot of stops and starts. And so I think that's kind of a reason for, for worry. Um, so, you know, lots kind of for Bumpastor to manage in addition to kind of putting her own sort of system in place and, you know, getting kind of a full preseason and whatnot to, to set up the team the way she wants. And who who, who would be li- likely to come in in terms of transfers to, you know, because you, you mentioned a lot of players leaving. Is Are there many, like, rumors or links to players that you could see that um, we'd be interested in? Yeah, uh, you know, I think uh, Endler is someone who's, like, pretty well certain to come in. That's a big one. And you know, plugs kind of a big goalkeeping hole with Buhati leaving. So that's sort of your like easy one. Um, There's other, I think, strong rumors about, you know, Brune coming in from PSG. I like her off the bench. I think she did her best work for for PSG off the bench too. But, um, you know, I don't think that changes your starting 11 too much. 
Um, yeah. You know, Pearl Maroney maybe comes over to replace Sakina Karshawi. That's, I think, an upgrade, whether it's a priority upgrade, I don't know. Um, and then, you know, in the midfield, there's been some talk about, you know, kind of Danielle Vandedonk coming over from Arsenal. That's not bad. She's, it feels like she's super polarizing. Some people think she'd be a perfect fit, and some people are not quite so impressed. Um, and I think, you know, I think she'd be fine, but like, you know, when you're trying to replace a player of Marijan's caliber, it's a, it's a big yeah. ask. So big shoes to I fill. Think, exactly. I think, you know, I think the absolute, the, the transfer priority has to be midfield because you have Saki Kumaga is leaving. She's going to Bayern. You have Marijan going to the U S you have Sarah Bjork Gunner's daughter, who's expecting a child. So that leaves you with sort of Amandine Henri and a lot of question marks around her. You can have Majri place in midfield, you know, but there's some holes there. And seeing how Leon fills those holes is probably going to tell you a lot about how next season goes. Because the midfield was was not where it needed to be this yeah, year. In that PSG match, I think that was the only match I watched and the lack of chances created, you know, it really um sums up what you're saying there, that the midfield is the, one of the big issues. Yeah, all the games against PSG this year, the midfield just felt like, it just felt like PSG won the midfield battle by a mile. And yeah. that's, it was odd because most of the time it was Kumagai, Henri, and Marajan, and you can't do a whole lot better than that on paper. And they've been playing together for forever. So it's not, you know it's not totally clear how Leon could lose that battle so comprehensively, like four times, you know? In the meantime, PSG seemed to be losing a few players of their own. And I, I immediately think of, of Endler, who is joining Leon, but there's also Moroni, as you said. So are PSG passing through to the same thing that Lille are going through in the men's league right now, as in losing a lot of talent, and, and why is that happening? Do you think that, in addition to Lyon hopefully getting stronger, PSG might be getting weaker this summer? Yeah, it's 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 odd, the sort of exodus that's kind of happening from PSG. You know, this should be, like, a really fantastic, glorious moment for them, and, like, a big, like, the moment when all the players want to stay and re-up and, you know, keep going, and instead they're getting a big-time exodus. Endler, Moroni, you know, Paredes, the captain, is going over to Barcelona. Formiga's going back to Brazil. It looked like, you know, Nadine was posting today that she might be leaving too. So that's a that's a lot of players on their way out. And if you, you know, kind of credit like keep, you know, Grace Giora, some of the young players aren't that interested in extending, even that, like they have another year on their deal, but aren't really pushing to extend. So you kind of wonder if there's something happening behind the scenes that's pushing all these players out the door. And Olivier Schwafny, the coach, who's been there since, I guess, 2017, and who's, you know, really kind of gotten this team over the hump, um, he's not returning either. So that's, that's a lot for PSG to compensate for. But on the other hand, you know, the rumor is that they're hiring Gerard Prescher, who I believe was has been Leon's best coach in recent memory um who's won titles a lot of places and who honestly I like I would have loved to see in the France job so I think in terms of coaching hires PSG couldn't do much better now they just kind of need to fill some of the the holes that are going to pop up um particularly I think what they do at goalkeeper is going to be really interesting we're giving we're giving Ariana um a a, rem, a reminder of what a bad season it's been. <laughs> like no, yeah. right? I'm supposed to be the one who's happy, you know. At the yeah, end you're of the summer, sp- you're usually the cheery the one. Party. Yeah, exactly. No yeah, we normally come to you for soothing info on the on the women's team when we're um, fuming over the men's team. I know, I know. I really thought that, like, I mean, I thought we had had really kind of entered the twilight zone in around Christmas, right? When like the 
the men's team was top of the table and the yeah. women's team was sitting behind the <laughs> But I was like, it's okay. The universe will right itself. I don't trust the men to hold on. And sure enough, yeah, like, screw the men. Come on, ladies. Right on back down. Right, exactly. <laughs> but the problem was the women were supposed to then take back over the top spot and not just stay where they were. So, yeah. you know, can't count on anybody these days. It was a it was a season for both the men and the women to falter on their ambitions. Fun for yeah. us. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, how did it all fall apart for the men? What, you know, what happened? Oh, Nick wants to talk about his favorite coach, Rudy, for a little bit. <laughs> he was telling me. Yes, before we started this podcast, I sent some... Um, um, the highlights from Little Tree Leon too, or was it? I think the opposite. I think Leon were at home um, to to warm up my rage because I haven't felt like this for a while. Because thankfully, at the end of this, we got a proper coach. But yes, it's been a very terrible season. I don't want to dwell too long uh, on it because there's been a lot that's been said on, on on our season. But yes, it was disappointing. It was disappointing, especially on the on the very last day. Although Leon kept losing points, dropping points losing opportunities to, to take over or stay ahead of Monaco throughout the season. Uh, it really came down to the wire against, um, against Nice on the last day. And it was so frustrating seeing Monaco drop the ball finally against Lamb, only for Lyon to fail to, to exploit Monaco's faux pas against, um, against Nice, especially against the Nice team that had nothing to play for because Lamb were aiming for, for, the conference, for, for the Conference League, although um, they didn't look like, like a team that wanted to qualify. Meanwhile, Nis was practically on holiday the previous week, I think, against, not the previous week, but a few weeks before that, uh, against Lille. They did absolutely nothing. They were, they were hammered. Uh, meanwhile, we couldn't, we couldn't stay ahead of them, especially since, since we were winning at some point. Uh, but at least it seems like, like the team has has learned its, its lesson. I, I was happy that that Rudy Garcia has been fired, uh, although I am very, very smug about the fact that it ended exactly the way we all thought it would end two years ago when we, when we signed uh, Rudy Garcia. But yeah, very disappointing. Um, I tried tuning into to the women's games. Unfortunately, I'm not a fan of us as tactics either. Um, so yeah, all around very disappointing. I'm glad that now we're moving on and hopefully, hopefully, Boss is a success at Lyon. What about you, Sam? Yeah. Yeah, I had the same feelings. I was, yeah. I don't think, I didn't, it's crazy. I didn't miss many matches of the men's team this season. Um, just, there were, most of the matches were really favourable and um, and the, the few that I missed, I was able to catch up on replay and evidently they were, <laughs> some of our better matches <laughs> um, which is ironic so maybe I'm the jinx but um, yeah pretty much like you said you summed it up perfectly um, you know Rudy's lack of, of tactics and motivation you know it, it was just a like a bit of a schmozzle to, um, to for lack of a better word um, is we, that just, a word? we just saw the team well it is here I don't know about anywhere else um, I'm constantly discovering words and terms that um, are Australian and nowhere else. So we're going to eat for I do apologise if I use some Australianisms. No, no, I love it. <laughs> by all means, keep going. Yeah, <laughs> it reminds me of that Simpsons episode when they go to Australia and they start paying us out for all our weird words. That's if anyone's ever watched The Simpsons. That might be. Oh, no, 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 that no, one I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, so, yeah, pretty much like you said, Nick, summed it up. I'm really happy to see Rudy Garcia go. Um, yeah, a manager we knew was going to end badly. It did end badly. Leon's fans won. Everyone else, zero. Um, that's a little swipe at the people at the club who appointed Rudy. But, you know, what would we know? It's not like we watch football ever. So, yeah, it... it but yeah, it's, you know, I, I was really frustrated, like, Nick, when you sent me that link for the Lille match, that was the first time I rewatched that match, um, the highlights of that match, because I don't think I've ever been more angry in my life after that match. Um, 
especially as as well. Like it was one of those. It was such a polarizing match because um, I had been watching a fair bit of Liga this season, and I'd watched a fair few um, Lille matches, and every time I'd watch Lille, and they'd get these like. 80th minute winners by one nil. Um, they looked awful for like a lot of their matches, and and then they would score like a they'd get a penalty or and a lot of the time it was they were fairly like I don't know they were kind of pretty soft soft um, goals that they were scoring and it was really disappointing because I I felt like these teams just didn't like the one thing I'll give Lil um, for this season is that they they fought. For a whole match, that's that was a really standout point to me, and this, they got a lot out of their subs, and but they were still scoring all these like little one nil. So I was like thinking, you know, if we play our first half like we have against many teams, where we come out all guns blazing and, um, you know, put these teams to to the sword, so to speak, um, straight away, we could um, you know, kind of shock them a little bit. And it happened, and then it was like it was like we did all the hard stuff, all the hard work. Like we had Slimani missed missed that easy chance, and I thought, oh, here we go. Then, um, and then we got back into it, and then to let Yilmaz score before half time, um, he still gives me nightmares. And then it was almost like Paqueta, who made his first backward pass all season, um, makes a mistake, and it was like. It was like the universe was just pulling us, pulling us down, and um, it was unfair. And then yeah, and then against Nice, like we say, they had nothing to play for. Um, that I haven't seen Nice play that well all season, and there was something about this season that I think it was either the way Leon played, or maybe a lot of teams just really, really hate us. And but I think we turned Montpellier into into Barcelona a few matches. And I think watching Nice, it was especially um, Guiri, was just destroying Dubois on his side there. And I don't know if that was the motivation that, that came about for that match. But for me, it, it, Nice didn't look like a team that had nothing to play for. They looked like they were in the title race. And the way they were celebrating, they were, yeah. So I don't know what happened in that match. But it was similar to the Lille match. You know, we had... We had bad calls, and then it seemed like the team just dropped and ran out of ideas. And that was a real um, highlight of Rudy Garcia's time with us was um, inconsistency during matches and demotivation. Um, you know, the team only ever played a half. And, yeah, I think if when Rudy Garcia doesn't have the players motivated, he offers very little as a coach. And, you know, if... Everyone will tell you that that's a fan of Rudy Garcia is that he's a motivator. Um, yeah, if he doesn't have that, he's got nothing. And yeah, evidently so does Leon. <laughs> yeah, what, what you said about about Leon playing only one half um, is something that has been worrying me and many other Leon fans a lot since Boss has been appointed. Of course, we haven't seen him. Uh, we haven't seen anything from him. And judging by his interviews, he hasn't really seen much of Leon either. Uh, but He's known for for the very intense way of playing football. In, in Germany, was known uh, his, his football was was known as suicide ball, uh, which basically means just everyone giving their all, attacking all the time. Uh, someone from from Netherlands said that his style, while he was at at relatively smaller clubs, was always offensive, even if they were playing against Feyenoord or against Ajax. I expect the same thing. At Lyon, and he has already expressed his desire for Lyon to play offensive, attractive football. And I worry whether or not Lyon has the kind of players who can play with that sort of intensity, whether France has the kind of players who can play with that intensity. Because whenever players need, and this isn't this is not just a Lyon problem, but something that I think is a French problem, players always say how even training is much more intense abroad. Whenever a player leaves and leaves France and, and, and they are asked how their experience abroad compares with their experience in France, it's always, always the same remark, that abroad is much more intense. So 
something is clearly wrong with the way um, France trains, with the way that the clubs play during during matches. We always see, at least um, among smaller smaller teams, uh, very low tempo with uh, most sides waiting to recover the ball and then countering. Lyon cannot play that way. He wants the boss wants heavy pressing, immediate pressing. If we will get to play that sort of football, then Lyon might need to to reassess the kind of players that that, that has. I cannot imagine, for example, Dubois sprinting for 45 minutes straight or playing high-intensity football, considering that he can barely play 30 minutes. And as you said, Sam, the entire Lyon team always has this problem. The team either plays well in the first half or in the second half, but very rarely in both halves. I think I I can only remember two or three games when Lyon really played well for, for 90 minutes. So that, that that is something that at least worries me a lot. Yeah, and it's a good it's a good um, little segue into like one of the the main things we wanted to talk about in this podcast was the appointment of Bosch. And um, I'll, I'll admit I've done a lot of um, stalking as much as you can um, without ever having watched many of Bosch's matches for Leverkusen. Um, but yeah, I think I sent you that link of one. They scored a goal, which I pretty much, from all I read, was the the perfect sum up of Bosch's tactics. Where yeah. I think it was against Monch um, Gladbach, That's right. where they had eight players, um, like in the bo- in the final third, and I think it was Baumgartlinger who was I think playing the defensive midfield at that point, um, scored a tap in at the far post from across. And there were six players in the box, and every single one of those players was in a position where they could have scored that goal, depending on where the cross went. And I, um, it it gave me it gave me excitement, but then it also made me a little bit scared because uh, it made me think. For once, like you were, for the first reason, like you were saying, is I don't think we have the players yet to uh, fully. Uh, you know, um, execute that style of play. And then, um, but two, it also makes me worry about the way we set up our defense because I think um, Bosch will learn quickly that in France there are teams that don't, there are a lot of teams, more teams than in the Bundesliga that will sit deep and, and go on the counter. And when it's a, I think he will have to adjust the way he normally plays a little bit. Like we we are appointing him for his for his attacking um, prowess and the way that he gets his teams playing because there's no doubt that he gets his teams playing that way. Um, but I think it's something that he's going to have to to learn and and realize as well that he's got a squad at the moment that have had a couple of well most of the players weren't around for the Genesio period, but. Um, they're going to find a, a very new way of, of playing football. And I think I'm not too worried about the, the players like Paqueta and the midfield. I think we have them, the midfield apart from our, I think is quite a, an industrious um, midfield. Like you see Paqueta, he, he plays at full intensity for as long as his body can let him. Um, Guimaraes is another player that gives his all. Kakret, we all know how how important he is, and he covers every blade of grass, every match he plays. Um, so I'm not too worried about about them. It's more the players that I think that players like Awa, um, Jeffrey Adelaide, um, they're all the types of players that Bosch really likes to play with. That we, he's known for playing attacking midfielders in in a midfield in the deeper roles. Kind of they're kind of like. Uh, makeshift central midfielders, but he really likes those technical playmaking profiles. Um, what worries me is that the players that he had at his disposal at his past couple of clubs um, are more the playmaking, but they're quite hardworking players still. Like they, they're not like the flair, flashy players that France are known for. They're the hardworking, flashy players that Germany is known for, and 
Um, it worries me that he's going to come across players that aren't used to making the efforts and are kind of given a, uh, how to say, they're kind of given a role where they're allowed to um, be the star and it's almost expected that everyone else picks up the pieces around them where I I know for a fact that a, a manager like Bosch is not going to come in and allow them that, that same freedom that Garcia has let them wear. Um, let the star players do what they want to do and everyone else will just pick up the pieces around them. Um, he's going to expect them to the play. I think that I think that with Bruno Paqueta and, and Kakere, I, I I see them as, as quite collective players. Um, yeah. Maybe Awar can be a bit selfish at times. Jeff, we haven't seen all that much of him, but I think that that he can fit in quite quite well, as you said. What what I'm most worried about are, are the players in the final third. So um, Taco Kambi, Corne, Tino Kadaweri, although Tino is quite selfish. Um, those kind of players worry me a little bit because um, they are all essentially strikers. Uh, Exclude Cornet, but who has played practically everywhere. But uh, most of the play, mo- most of the other offensive players that we have are or were formed as, as strikers, which means that we don't have any wing players, which I think Boss will, would love to rely on both to score goals, but more importantly, to create chances. And I think that would be unfair to, to expect Tino to, to play well as a, as a winger, to create chances, because even as we saw this season, uh, on the wing, he didn't always perform all that well because it's not his position. So we might have to invest quite a lot in the team to build the sort of squad that Boss needs. Yeah. To, to build his style of football while at the same time we obviously won't have the means even though a winger is our priority assuming that we do sign at least one winger we would only have Cherokee and this this new signing yeah it's true um, that is a worry for me as well I think when we're talking about the way that Bosch plays I think fortunately the players that are the most uh, sellable it's not like my opinion whether they should be going or not but um, necessarily, but players like Dembele and Awa are the two are the two big money players. Um, I think if it's controversial as much as I love Awa, but I think those two players are the are the two best players to move on. Basically, for the fact of their style of play, um, you know the way that Awa seems to have lost that dogged determination he started his career with us with. And he's kind of molded into a, a Memphis-style player. Um, he did I have problems think... with his COVID, though. And in the past few weeks, yes, I that's that true. he had improved that a bit. Yeah, he did look pretty decent on the wing. I think he played his best matches for us on the wing. And um, it is something to think about. Like, And that's something for the club to know whether to be able to manage, like whether his drop-in form was COVID-related and just he had an off-season. Um, because like, he does have the... He is the profile that... Bosch likes he he's like he couldn't be that Havertz style player, a goal scoring midfielder. Um, but yeah, I, I think if Bosch the advantage of getting Bosch in early, which is a bit of a, a praise for Juninho, was that we got him in early, so he will have a full preseason and and more probably um, to determine his squad and to see the players and to catch up on on how Leon play and who he's got at his disposal. So that's kind of a good thing, but yeah, with in terms of the transfers coming in, it's it's crazy to think that Bosch is going to come in with w- wanting wingers, and we've got none. We've got basically zero, and I'm also a little bit worried about the fullbacks as well. Like we mentioned, Dubois, yeah, um, he's a he's a pretty passive player, and the way he played against Nice is a is a prime example of of too many of his matches where he just seems just off the pace. He just seems to let the play go around him. And um, yeah, it happens too often. And I'm not sure whether that's, that's, he plays to the, to the peak of his performances or whether that's just um, in terms of motivation from the manager or those around him. But um, it's definitely something to look at. And I think um, what, I think we both had a bit of a read of, of an article where it said that Bosch is 
Um, one of the first things he does when he's at a new club is to identify new young players from the academy and put them in an unfavorable position and kind of see yeah. how they how they react to it. And I think um, I think there's a lot of players at the academy that could really please Bosch. So I think that's an interesting thing that we could see. Like the likes of Malo Gusto seems to be um, quite favorable in the Leon ranks. He's just signed a contract extension. But in terms of, yeah, like we were saying originally, gone off in a bit of a tangent, but the wingers is going to be a big issue. And without us having a lot of money, it's hard to see if we can get the quality that Bosch is used to um, on the wings because he's had quite good wingers at his teams over the, over the years. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to see. But maybe there'll be more movement from some of our central strikers like Toko Akambi, Slimani... Cadawere. Uh, Weirdly, I think that that Slimani would, would fit in well with with Boss' way of playing. Uh, I think having a pivot in in, in Boss' team would, would work out um, relatively well. Though I haven't seen many of Boss' matches yet um, either, but I think that that he could be a valuable asset. Uh, apart from 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 that, though, uh, going back to to the war, it might be a motivation problem, as you said, but. There's also the issue that Rudy Garcia didn't rotate. Uh, we'll be seeing the, the same lineups every other week, uh, practically, with only a few changes if there were injuries or suspensions. If I were a player and I was playing regardless of how well I performed on the pitch, I wouldn't be very motivated. I think that's one of the, the things that ultimately uh, brought down Rudy Garcia and, and the rest of his team. Hopefully, we see players like Bart, like Malogusto, who you mentioned, break into the team, but break into the team seriously. Uh, one of the one of the uh, interviewees in, in that article that you mentioned just now by by Van Nut said exactly that that he doesn't play youth unless they deserve it, but also that there are no politics in his club. One of the main uh, problems with Dudu Garcia is that he was strong with the weak and weak with the strong as a form of politics, yeah. the way I see it. Boss apparently doesn't work that way. He plays players who deserve it. And if players deserve it, um, if players who deserve to play do play, then I can't see Dubois starting. I can't see Hornet starting. Um, and I think that's one of the main areas where Leon could improve creating proper competition in the side. Because you cannot yeah. have Marcelo can't have Dubois, can't have Corne, consistently underperforming, but consistently playing. Even the fact that you are resting a few of these players might give them an edge the next time they play, because they might want to prove something. Or maybe they just need a rest. And I would, I would personally be, be very glad if, if Boss actually created not a hierarchy of players, but a healthy competition between them. Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, like you were saying, um, he doesn't play the politics and players play on merit. It's a bit of a caveat to what Juninho was saying um, in one of his interviews post the Rudy, Rudy Junior, um, Juninho beef that um, they both released their diss tracks and, um, you know, Juninho, one of his, one of his points was saying that he didn't like how Rudy was with the politics of the players, like you were saying. And I think Bosch, really um, epitomizes um, that those points that Juninho was making about the, the players being selected. And um, like he mentioned, John Lucas, who was playing, had really had quite reasonable stats, was just never getting a look in. And, um, and Juninho, I think, pretty much asked, well, by his account, asked Rudy why, and Rudy was pretty much pretty dismissive. Um, but yeah, it... it yeah, it is a, a strong point to say that there hasn't been... Rudy didn't instill any real competition for places. And the only competition for places were really with players that probably um, didn't need the competition. They were pretty unanimous, so it was quite strange um, to see him kind of punish players that had kind of good performances and reward players for poor performances. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how... Um, how Bosch comes in. I, I have to give props to Janino because in recent 
in recent years, we've been quite slow and um, reactive to signing coaches and it, and we always kind of like, it was, I was getting the sense of it again, this, um, this season when we were, we all knew that Rudy was leaving and it seemed like the club were quite passive. Like, it, like you were saying that all was almost, he was almost proud to, to state that he hadn't been looking at new coaches, even though they, we all knew that Rudy wasn't staying. But I have to, you know, by all accounts, it seems that Juninho was quick to react after the, after we didn't get Gautier or didn't want him or whatever happened there. But um, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. I just hope that Leon give Bosch the resources that he needs. Like I think all has talked up a big game in terms of budget and transfers and players. Um, but I guess we'll wait and see and see how it works out. What worries me is that um, we will be relying on players to to be sold. I think Anderson is the easiest um, sale. I think he's got good contacts in England. Um, Dembele, I'm pretty sure he'll be quite sellable. Um, you know, and I, I'm not sure that those two players will be enough to really fund a whole Mercato with how much work needs to be done. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what route Leon go down, whether they'll go down the route of getting players that may not really have the level, but at, at least play the positions. Um, whether we just do that, like get a few cheap wingers or whether they go all out on one big player for that position and, let everyone else kind of pick up the, you know, improve on their last season and, and get to play again. But yeah, time will tell. Thankfully, Boss might, might be the perfect candidate given given our, our austere um, outlook for, for the rest of, of the summer because he, he, he's someone who, who relies a lot on the academy. Uh, apart from Malagusto, from, from Bard, we'll hopefully be playing more Monday. Monday. And the Silva maybe might get some surprises as well. Maybe we might decide to to sign a few young players as well um, and, and yeah. integrate them into the team. So I think that I think that that actually boss signing works on multiple levels. Apart from from the fact that he plays beautiful football, as we've said, I mean, we're not winning trophies anyway, right? So there's no excuse that we have Deschamps because he's winning the World Cup, right? At Lyon, we're not winning trophies, so at least. Let us be entertained for 90 minutes once a week, um, especially if you have to wake up at six to watch, watch, to watch matches. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Less <laughs> infuriating, more drives into work. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, um, what I was saying, with, with Boss, we also have, have someone who can exploit one of the best youth academies in, in Europe and around the world. And something that I think few people have emphasized so far Boss and Juninho have a very similar vision of, of how they yeah. want even how, how they want Leon to, to play football. An interview that I read, I think it was today or yesterday, uh, was with, with, with Mitchell, who is Monaco's new sporting director. And one of the questions that he was asked was whether or not he disagrees with his coach on what transfers the club should make. And that is something that has happened at Leon, I feel. I think that the CEO was a player that Dion only got because Rudy Garcia wanted him, not because Juninho wanted him. Everyone knew that Juninho yeah. couldn't cross to save his life. Uh, but Mitchell's answer to, the, to that question was that, no, it has never happened before with him because it doesn't make sense. If the sporting director wants a particular profile and the coach doesn't want that profile, then it means that the coach isn't what the club needs, right? If they have different visions, yeah. because that is what it boils down to, then either the sporting director has made a mistake in the profile or more likely that they have made a mistake when choosing the profile of the coach. And I'm very happy that Janino and Boss seem to see uh, Leon playing the same kind of football. At least they have the same vision because hopefully it will save us some of the problems and some of the embarrassment that Rudy Garcia um, generated when he left the club. Yeah, and that's like the big takeaway from Bosch being appointed. I think that's one of the big the big points is that he, we're getting a coach that's compatible with Juninho. This is probably and it's probably the first time that we can 
you know, a coach like Bosch can come in and be compatible with Janino, but and also offer an international experienced profile that the club has been been missing. Like he's not a, a French guy. Um, coach that's going to come in and do the same thing that the last 28 have you know um, he's going to offer a change and even if it doesn't work out with Bosch um, in the medium long term that's fine but it's the direction um, that the club have gone in by signing Bosch that's really important and I think when it comes down to that time where Bosch doesn't work out the club need to not get scared again like they did with Silvino and go fall back and, and cower into that same pattern of getting in another another French coach that offers little and just really puts us back in the same problems that we've been suffering and that we continue to kind of strive and look at coaches that are compatible and and you know search for that for that perfect combination, that perfect blend and to keep pushing for it because we know that Bosch is probably not going to be the the answer long term for you know many seasons i mean we hope he is but um we have to be realistic and and be prepared to to continue to look for the coaches that are Janino compatible because i think he's shown enough um with his time at the club that he knows football he's got and he has a clear vision for the club and i think you know it's it's almost at a point now where we've seen the vision of those around him and where's that got us in the last 10 years. Um, Janino has come in and he's, you know, very publicly stated how unhappy he is with the way that how, you know, um, apathetic some of the, the players and the staff have been. So um, yeah, I think what's, as good as Bosch, the, the coach, is, I think it's really encouraging to know that it's the direction that we're going in that we need. So, okay, so moving forward, what, what are our goals for, for next season, you think, or for the next um, maybe three seasons? Because Bosch seems to be a medium-term term choice. I think it's going to be different this, this season. I think a lot of the league on clubs, I don't think... League Gun is a two-horse race anymore uh, with a third getting the consolation. I think, especially this season, seeing some of the movement around the clubs, I think we're going to have a strong um, OM. I think we're going to have a strong PSG as usual. Um, it looks like Nice may be getting strengthened. Um, we've got Leon. I think, will be around there as well. And then, um, again... It's hard to see what will happen with Lille um, without Luis Campos and Gautier um, and most likely a lot of big sales. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens to them, but they're another team that can come into it. So um, it's not going to be an easy season. So I think Champions League is, again, you know, the, the ultimate objective. Um, anything above that would be just unexpected bonus. Um, and... Yeah, it, it, I think it just depends on how seriously the club take this first season. Um, I don't really like new coaches coming in and not being given the resources to um, kind of you know, carry out their plan um, straight away because I think, I think it's a good idea to put coaches in their best element, so to speak. I don't think you, you give everything they need, but you, you need to give them the foundation to succeed. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about the transfers, but I think the objectives, yeah, I think the, I don't think the objectives change much, um, but I think perhaps the the level of patience we give him and the expectations we need to have, I think that's what changes. I think, like you were saying, if we're not competing for trophies, at least we'll play nice football, and um, I think that's a start i think i think it's unrealistic to think that uh a galtier or um any other coach could come to leon and get leon to do a lil and win three quarters of the season one nil um i don't think that's ever realistic either so one of my hopes is that that we that we have decent run in, in the europe league as well um, i think that we have decent shot for to to win yeah. it. we're one of the clubs with the highest coefficients uh, 
boss has experience in it as well. We have experience in it. We'll be playing much smaller teams, depending on, on which which clubs are relegated from the Champions League into yeah. into the Europe League. And yeah, Tuesday gives us a few interesting games. <laughs> It'll be really um, awesome to see Monaco get knocked out of their Champions League qualifiers and have to go down to Europa League. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd, be, <laughs> it'd, it'd be a little, um, a little point of revenge, a little bit of a sweet feeling. <laughs> it'd make our season feel a little bit better. So, like, like, like before, when we used to treat Marseille's matches as as weekly therapy after after dropping points, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a strange feeling to be. Yeah, I don't normally even like really. Um, Focusing on the teams around us, but for once, I wouldn't mind seeing Monaco kind of struggle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we keep we keep. Um, I was talking to someone, and I was like, it feels like every team in in France hates hates us. It's like we are the we're like the team with the most derbies. It feels like, like this season, it feels like we had a derbies against um, OM, and they were quite tame this season. Same with the Saint Etienne, but it felt like. Our most grueling matches were against Monaco and Nice, <laughs> so it's yeah. like we've picked up two more, two more enemies. So we're going to next season with OM, <laughs> Monaco, Lille, um, Nice, and Saint Etienne. Even All men are, are now just talking us. Yeah, or tweet. Yeah, criticizing us for 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 not winning any trophy in the past seven seasons when they've just won like two cups in, in their entire existence, which is, which is very very weird. Uh, but yeah, we've made many enemies. Yeah, and when we needed Ren to beat Monaco, they didn't. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Shame on Genesio. <laughs> yeah, not the first time we're saying it, not the last time we're saying it either. Yeah, Genesio demission. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for Ren. <laughs> Need Ren to get a good coach that can beat our competitors. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny, but yeah, it's interesting to see what'll happen. Yeah, I don't really know what will happen, but. I'm I'm very happy with Bosch signing. Um for all the play the people that we were linked with, you know. It could have been Vieira. <laughs> it was it was amazing to watch the mood change over the course of the like coaching hunt from yeah. like, vaguely optimistic to then being like Gaultier, it's gotta be Gaultier and then when there was like no one else really in contention and Gaultier was going to go someplace else, it was like, oh my God, we can't even get Gaultier. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I think, I think really most of, around, yeah. like, with like, then all of a sudden it was like, wait, boss, wait, hold on. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think most it, like, of us. It like really said, went through the roller coaster. Yeah. We were like, I think everyone was like so adamant and against Gaultier. And then it got to a point where everyone was like, well, if it's not Gaultier, who else is it? So we kind of have to kind of hope it's him. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it was like, there's no, Galtier is not coming. And then Bosch is announced. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, screw Galtier. <laughs> we never wanted him anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, um, I was actually surprised as well to learn that Janino had only recently called him up and it was all quite fast. I thought, oh, it's been a little plan of Janino behind all this back kind of to yeah. have this kind of set up. I just don't believe any of them. I don't believe Alas when he says he wasn't talking to people. I don't believe Boss when he says he just heard from him, you know, a few days before. I think everyone is lying. Yeah, well, that's See, actually but, funny but because... Whenever they asked Boss a question about the team, he was like, um, you know, Gusto, who? who? Wait, what, what club are we talking about now? <laughs> it's like he knew nothing, absolutely nothing, except for maybe some of the, the territories in, in the Caribbean. It's like... He said the, he said the stadium was nice. Yeah, that's the only thing that he always said. In both interviews I listened to him, he, he always remarks the same thing. Oh, yeah, Leon, nice stadium, right? Yeah, <laughs> it oh, looks man. really good when you're trashing us 4-1. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, why do homework before you've been assigned to the trash? Yeah. You know? yeah, it's funny, Ariana, when you were saying that you didn't believe all us, because it, it's true. Like, even when we had... Genesio coming to ends. Didn't he say that he had asked and talked to Mourinho when they were watching a football match together? That he was like, "Oh, you should come and come and coach Leon." Or maybe I'm reading that story wrong, but I'm pretty sure he spoke to Mourinho yeah, when he was available. And um, Mourinho, I mean, Mourinho told him to get stuffed. But <laughs> like, 
I mean, it's not really in Olas's interest to like give truthful information about no, who he's talking no. to and when, but it also like, it was just very funny to me because I feel like Olas has a very long history of being like, we are absolutely not doing this thing. And then they proceed to do that. And next day, thing. see and you later, yet, to Arsenal. Right. right. And then yet, for some reason, like he was like, oh, I haven't talked to any coaches. And there was just like a collective meltdown. Like, how dare he not be talking to coaches? Yeah. It's just like, man, you guys believe this dude. <laughs> way more than i do <laughs> well it should be an interesting summer uh uh i think and certainly plenty of business for last to do for for both teams it sounds like uh and you know without the the bonus money that comes from from a kind of trophy collection <laughs> yes even qualification at least, at least this year it will save money from having to buy a new trophy cabinet yes yeah, right. yes yeah. We can use the, the existing one for storage. Seeing <laughs> it's so empty. <laughs> storage options. Uh, well, it has been good to catch up with you guys uh, about the team, and and I'm sure we'll we'll do it again as the as the summer progresses. Uh, any closing thoughts, anyone, uh, before we call it a day? I'm just very excited. This is the first time that I've been following Leon. And we have a coach, like a proper coach. So I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> Cautious optimism. It's all so new to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. But we've actually got a real coach. It's amazing. Like he's actual real there. Like, yeah, amazing. It's like and some pretty fly him. New Jerseys too. Yeah, it's like, exactly. It's like you can touch him. <laughs> and we will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was not a threat to the seventeen intelligence agencies. No, there was it was a it was a threat to nice touching, but yeah, it might have been missed. It's yeah, early in the morning. I'm not yeah. sure that's better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't saying it was better. I was just saying it was different. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know how you end on a better note than that. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you guys for joining and, and thanks to all of you who are listening and uh, you know we hope you'll you'll be back for the next edition of uh, of Leon Offside. See ya. Yes we will. Alright, thanks guys. <laughs>